0: Welcome to Everything is Television. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm joined by Keith Krepko. And Rob Adams. We're currently watching AMC's Preacher. Today we're going to talk about episode... (laughs) Yeah. Episode... I want to say this, first of all. Episode 3, according to the Preacher people. But in reality, it's episode 4. Called Monster Swamp. And they're doing this thing where it's like the pilot is episode 0. And going yeah. from there, are they? It's that is, yeah, it's con- it's too confusing.
1: Yeah, why bother?
2: My DVR says one thing, but my AMC app says a second thing. Oh, what is, really? What does your heart what is, say? What does IMDb
0: say? They probably go by what the what, what the producers or whatever are labeling it. Mm-hmm. IMDb so desperate to be accepted by the Hollywood community,
2: right? On the AMC app, they did add a commentary for that, to episode two, and oh, really? I did. I like. I'm not even. I'm not. In, I'm not going there. No, I'm not interested.
1: IMDb is just like celebrity LinkedIn, right? <laughs> because they they have to like create their own account. I don't know. Yeah, I thought. Or you know, you have your publicist at some point create it.
0: All right, so let's talk about episode four, Monster Swamp, and if. You thought we didn't have a lot of notes last time. (laughs) (laughs) I had about two things written down because, first of all, nothing happens. Second of all, I kept falling asleep. Not like, it's like the falling asleep you do when you're in a meeting, right? And it's like, you know you can't just fall asleep, so you're just nodding off. Or like when you're in school. A million nods. You're trying hard to stay awake, Mm -hmm. but you just cannot do it. That's what I did. I liked this episode.
2: I I liked... Um, Cassidy trying to be like straight or as straight as Cassidy can be with Jesse. I liked that. I liked all the Odin, um, I guess Kin Cannon is his name, not Quinn Cannon. Like I used to read it. I I liked all the Odin Kin Cannon scenes. Um, the opening scene, the, um, the very scary school bus Mm -hmm. scene. I mean, that was creepy.
1: Yeah, it was creepy until it turned out to be
2: a paintball fight. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, throughout the entire episode, I was expecting one thing and something else like completely different happened like over and over and over. Um,
0: but so you you guys didn't like it. I just found it was it was slow. And for me, the slowness was fine on the last episode because it was only the third episode. Mm-hmm. But now it's like. Two slow episodes in a row, and by slow I mean like there's just not much happening. Yeah, I'll give you that. So it, for me, it just was like after last week's, I was ready for, you know, something, a little bit of something to happen, and I just it never really delivered on that for mm-hmm. me. And it was just kind of hard like, for
2: me to pin it down, but I liked this episode better than I liked episode three. Yeah, I see like it, like it going back up just a little bit, maybe a little more happening, getting um. Maybe a few more character moments. What is that girl's name? The one that helps him at the...
1: Oh, the uh, one who's pooping?
2: Yes,
3: the pooping girl.
1: Um, (laughs) The one-night stand girl. I I like seeing
2: her. There's something about her that I like. Um, I think her character's interesting. I thought they were going to kiss when he pulled that thing out of her hair. Well, I think
0: that was the tease, right? Yeah. My wife spotted that that? band-aid way early in the scene. Mm -hmm. She's like,
1: she has something in her hair. She's like, look, look, there's I was like, how did you even see that? (laughs) so apparently they're huge on continuity in this show.
0: There you go.
1: But
2: you didn't like that scene. It didn't stand out for No,
1: no, no. I you know, here's here's my my problem is that I like the characters. I actually like Tulip, which I think I'm alone in this podcasting liking.
0: You're on Tulip Island.
1: Yeah. Happy to be there. Mm -hmm. So I like Tulip. I like all the characters. I just want them to pick a direction and start going in it, you know? And I don't know that I like... I don't know that Jesse's direction right now is justified when i think about all the options that they're canceling out by choosing this you know you could have gone a million different directions with him finding the power with him having to deal with the power and what they're choosing to go with is a really slow build in how he's using the power and also he's he keeps using it in a frustratingly ambiguous way like we kind of talked about last week where he's just saying like, forget this girl or open your eyes instead of doing something substantive that's clear and defined and is like moving forward. I think that's even with with the conversion at the end of this, Mm -hmm. right? It's still kind of frustratingly vague. And I feel like the show is frustratingly vague. I just want, you know, you know, like my, my wife, has no connection to the comics and like she couldn't really tell me who the villain of the season was mm-hmm. after at the end of episode four, which how many do they have? 10, 10 episodes. Yeah, I think so. So uh, we are a week away from being halfway through this first season and they have not yet identified a villain for someone who doesn't know who Odin Quincanon is. And they don't have a clear objective. You know, what's who's everyone's objective? The, the, the angels are doofuses that want to put the <laughs> Genesis back in a tin can. right. That's not a you know what I mean? Like that's not an identifiable story arc for me to really connect with. And then the story arc of revenge is snuffed out in last week's episode by Jesse being like, "Nope, I'm not doing this and just walking away from what they built up Tulip to be about this revenge story. And now Tulip is kind of just drifting, you know, what, what she motivated by now.
2: I have a hard time figuring out Tulip's point in the series. Um, what, what she's there for. Um, and like, even what her role is, you know, within the show. Um, I feel, yeah. Okay.
3: I feel I Good. feel it's like
2: <laughs> when when the first thing I thought when I finished this episode was this is not the story that I wanted from preacher. But I think what they're trying to do is is like a man, a slow burn. Mm-hmm. They want something that's going to last 10 seasons. <laughs> and they and in, instead of giving that, I like I feel I feel like this is maybe me putting words in their mouth, but I feel like they're trying to to stretch this out so that we can learn about these people and then they play around with their stuff and then maybe we'll get the the storylines later. I don't understand why. I don't understand why YTs, why Saint of Killers, YT's Hairstar, heck, YT's, you know, Odin Kincanon, and, and not do anything with them but I feel like they're, they are trying to build something. I'm just not sure where it's going to go. Do you get the feeling like
1: th- th- they're trying to stretch it? What do you think, Justin?
0: Yes.
3: <laughs> I mean, yeah,
0: pretty much. It, it definitely feels, and I think this is what gave me so much confidence in the first couple of episodes, is they're getting all of the, it, f- it felt like they were getting everything into place. They're introducing Rob, like you said, uh, Santa Killers, Airstar, but now it's, and it's only, again, it's only four episodes in, but it is, it's kind of like, I'm ready for something to start happening. Like, you don't even have to do anything with those, with the tertiary characters, but Kin Cannon has more or less done nothing so far. Like, like, I mean, I know he's a bad guy because of what I know from the because I know he's from the comic. And I could also feel like I could probably just deduce that out of common sense, I guess, just because there's got to be a bad guy. And this guy seems kind of weird. But he really hasn't done. I mean, they're doing a great job of making him seem creepy and like off. But they haven't done anything with him yet. Mm -hmm. He hasn't done anything particularly nefarious I feel like yet he just seems kind of like a scummy businessman
2: do you feel like next week we get it next week it happens I hope so is this a leftover situation where they have to build some stuff and then it's going to accelerate
1: they're building it in a very different way which I'm kind of taking the approach David Simon who made the wire came out and really uh, t- took a strong stance against people who pick apart shows episode by episode. Mm-hmm. His argument was basically, take the whole piece in before you form an opinion. And that whole piece could either be an entire season or the entire show if you you know really want to be a completist. And then, and then, and only then can you have a kind of, Full perspective. So I'm kind of taking that approach where these episodes, which I'm finding frustrating right now, might turn out to be brilliant if they ramp up the tension with the they can. But I don't see how they ramp out from what they've set up. Mm-hmm. Because what they've set up is at both ends. You know, this is why I was thinking I, I, I watched this episode twice. The second time I watched, I really tried to watch with this idea of stakes. What what do I feel like are the stakes of these characters? Because I think we would all agree the angels are menacing, but ultimately they're kind of comedic, right? Yep. They're, they're goofy. They're bumbling. they funny. they've been killed multiple times. So my stakes of the angels having a confrontation with Jesse, who is not concerned either when um Cassidy tries to warn him I have no investment in in that storyline in terms of stakes I might like the characters or think they're funny but in terms of the stakes of the show that is not there Tulip was introduced killing a man with an ear of corn and making a homemade bazooka and that setting that level and then toning it way down has Set no stakes either because I'm like, oh, this is a lady who can make a homemade bazooka, you know? She'll be fine. And I don't know who would come after her, but <laughs> you know, she can handle herself. And so I don't know, and then Quincanon, Kin Cannon, whatever it is, you know, like Justin said, he hasn't done anything. So I know that he's dangerous in the comic book, but he hasn't shown a, a particular uh, dangerous slant yet. In this show, so I mean, there's there's no stakes, you know, I, and I don't know what the tone would be like when they start to introduce stakes. Like, what would need to happen for me to worry about Tulip's life or Cassidy's life? Mm-hmm. Because I haven't yet this whole entire show. And 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 it's also like Cassidy walking through sunlight and being okay. Like, it's all or putting on his goofy outfit. It it, it seems to be more for comedic effect than it does for stakes. But at some point, I think you need you need to ground your show in some stakes. You need to feel like you know there's some skin in the game. And right now, I don't I don't feel that from any of the characters.
0: Well, I don't even know what the game is at this point. Yeah, like I don't know where this is all going. There doesn't seem to be any sort of direction so far. We've just spent four episodes with these characters, but there's hasn't really been any sort sort of forward momentum i guess outside of the angels who have come to take back genesis but all of that was established in the first episode mm. and since then or i guess since the second episode they've just been stuck to, stuck in a hotel room
1: and they, they seem okay with trying to extract genesis through a chainsaw <laughs> or by singing a lullaby i mean to me that that, that is you know a, a, an example of the stakes of the show, right? It's like, oh, Hey, this guy could die or they could sing a lullaby over him. Mm. You know, the
2: direction, whether we like it or not, in my opinion, is Jesse trying to help this town.
0: Yeah, I guess that's, that's a good point, but there still just hasn't been much of the, there still hasn't even been much of that. Right. And to that point, and, we talk a little bit about about
3: Kin Cannon. The thing that has me I guess confused or in
0: intrigued in a in a bad way <laughs> is I don't understand how so this episode ends with Jesse using the word to make um, kin can and serve God, whatever mm-hmm. that is going to mean. Exactly. Yeah. But frustratingly I vague. I don't see how that's going to turn into him being a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I think it's the inter- interesting, it has interesting implications on Jesse's character and sort of how he's, uh, how his, you know, re- relig- religious, religious, ideas are going to play out, but I don't see it as like a turning point for Kin Cannon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just seemed like a weird choice.
3: Yeah.
2: Cause we don't really know enough about him. We we know that he's weird. Right? Um, that he has like a like a, like a, like a superiority complex type thing. You know, he stood on that um like, what do they call it? The neo neapolite the uh yeah, he yeah, has uh, Napoleon, Napoleon complex. Right, because he stood he stood on that crate um, mm. when he gave his awesome awesome speech. And then there was that one time where Jesse, as a child, walks by the door. We don't see what he sees, but he sees something, mm-hmm. and it kind of affects Jesse somehow. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what this serve God is going to mean to him. We don't know when you tell someone. Mm, who doesn't believe in God to serve God? What does that mean?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, these are interesting ideas if they follow through on them. But they haven't even seemingly followed through on an interesting idea yet. You know? Like, I am i haven't gotten to the end of some of these episodes and been really curious in picking apart uh any idea associated with it. You know, mm-hmm. I ha it hasn't lived long in my mind. Um this show is still beautiful. It's shot gorgeously. Mm-hmm. Again, I would argue I think it's acted well. Um, but it it's it it lacks a compelling question or narrative. That might be coming, and maybe this is maybe this is the question that they explore, right? What does it mean to serve God as someone who doesn't believe in a God or what does it mean to profess faith? If you yourself are a doubter like Jesse is at his heart, he seems to be conflicted about his faith more than someone who clings to it for any sense of right in the world or, or explanation of how the world works, you know? Mm-hmm. So what, what does that look like? Um, those I think are interesting ideas. I hope, I hope that this is our narrative direction, but right now I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know how you get from Quincan and serving God to being a villain and what that would mean for Jesse and his intention versus what happens.
0: Right. So my
3: best guess for
1: Justin's trying to get on the board. actually. There's something I wanted to give you credit for, Justin, with this episode. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna try and remember it. But I think you called something and it kinda happened, but I remember watching it the second time being like, hey, Justin kind of you know, saw that coming. I was like, he deserves a point for it. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'll
0: try and remember it going. Um My best guess for how serve the demand of serve God is going to play out with Kin Cannon, if he's going to be a bad guy, is that his idea of serving god is going to be you know whatever sort of twisted meat loving pleasure <laughs> he has in his brain will now become like the dictate for his life he'll right manifest like he'll be doing whatever is possible and again i don't know what he does in the comics but he'll just do he'll just be on sort of an indestructible path to i don't know make all the meat statues he wants (laughs) serve the meat god right (laughs) maybe he's gonna serve his god yeah so i i mean that you know that's what the episode ends on and it's obviously an important note so we'll see
1: oh oh this was it you know what it was justin you said is this going in the um direction of jesse being a faith healer oh right And i totally rejected that but i feel like yeah it is I mean, he's basically sort of trying a false profit. Yeah, he's trying to get people in this church through any means necessary, including mm. buying a buying a 4K TV for a thousand dollars, which is impossible. <laughs> they need to, you know, reprice that. As someone who almost got a mispriced 4K yeah. <laughs> TV for a hundred dollars, I know the thousand dollar a thousand dollars would not buy a forty-seven inch. Anyway, um, he he is going down
3: the false profit uh route and so i think you're on the board justin all right i'll take it
0: uh so we've got some questions in our notes so let's just go through these questions and see uh if we've got answers for them now i have to admit listening to you guys talk about the episode and looking through some of these notes i'm starting to think i may have Dozed off more than more I thought than I did. Thought. <laughs> so I was a little caught off guard um, by Jesse getting whipped by his dad.
3: Yeah, and that many times.
0: So that was because he was smoking, I guess. Mm-hmm. He got caught smoking. That's all there is to it.
3: Yeah. All right. I
0: saw the
2: scene play out. You know, he's smoking. That's t- supposed to be Tulip there, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So he's smoking with Tulip and some other people. And the dad comes over and he's like, he says, you know, something, you know, which to me sounds like it'd be something a good father would say, you know, you need to be responsible for this stuff, mm-hmm. you know? So I thought they were going to walk away and they were mm-hmm. going to have a conversation about smoking and cigarettes. But instead he turns around and starts whipping him in front of them. And mm-hmm. that was just like... You know, way out of left field for me. Right, like, definitely not
1: what I was expecting.
0: Yeah, it seems um, a little a tad reactionary
1: and a little abusive. Yeah, for that many <laughs> too. I mean, it it wasn't just one like it was still going when the scene cut, and it wasn't. It didn't phase him.
3: That's like, a good it point. It,
2: yeah. it didn't phase Jesse that that, that was happening. Right, so you know it, it, that spoke a lot to me that you know, just how, how abused this child is.
1: Well, I kind of took it to, as I didn't think the kid was a very strong actor. I was like, I don't know if this kid knows how to read, how what the proper response to being whipped is.
2: Okay. I'll give you that a little bit because it looked like he was get, at the end, that he was getting spanked on the butt by the way he was moving. Yeah. Like it, like it, like it wasn't being, he wasn't getting, um, whipped in the back anymore right he was just yeah.
1: kind of rocking back and forth a little bit at the end and kind of trying to win so I was like oh, this kid's timing is getting a little off I, I guess I gave him too much credit
0: I kind of got the feeling that maybe they're trying to roll in the family backstory into the father a little bit somehow right even though we've got the flashback of the father being shot by somebody I feel like obviously so much has changed from the comics that they're going to change that family backstory in some way. It just feels like uh, to where maybe the father is involved in a completely different way than how he is in the comic.
1: Well, he still seems to look up to his father. His father still seems to be a positive influence on him. Yeah. Because if I remember correctly, earlier in an episode, he still does the, you need to be good, Jesse, because there's so much bad in the world, or he does some variation on that. Mm-hmm. It seems to be driving Jesse as an adult. And so, they keep
2: pulling that out in the, in the, like in the beginnings, you know, he, made, right. he says that he made a promise. Right. You know, and it, why would you make a promise to someone like this father? That is going to be an interesting story. If we ever find that out. Um, because th- there's nothing good from this father.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that they're probably going to try and pull out. Like I, I get the sense that it's, it would be one of those, uh, my father was a hard man, but he was a good man type of deals you know mm. he was hard to please he had high standards all that stuff but
3: I know that he was just trying to do his best that's the sense I get yeah that'll be a difficult pill to swallow
1: yeah given the the whipping
3: yeah
0: Robbie had written down here uh, what is Tulip's role at the whorehouse and I thought that was a Good question because she's at she's at it. Was it last episode or mm-hmm. two episodes? She was at it last episode, and I think you can just sort of dismiss it as
1: she's playing poker.
0: Yeah, she's yeah. playing poker. She's there for everyone, but now all of a sudden in this episode, she's there again.
1: Well, and she's not even at the at the whorehouse. She was with them right. at the uh, location of the of the girl being pulled out of the hole. So right, like she's hanging out with those people.
3: the
2: girls are all getting a lecture about watching where they step and she's with them right um so we do get a little piece that her mom you know i guess used to be employed at the whorehouse Mm -hmm. um and didn't like in the very big i think in the first episode she was at her dad's
3: house
0: right when we first saw her Oh, yeah, because Jesse walks into the house and that old guy's mm-hmm. passed out.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So, yeah, how bad does he have to be that this is where she's hanging out? I right. just I'm just trying to figure out where where's her place in this town? You know, why is she always there? And since she's there. You know, during these scenes, like all the
1: time, you know, it does she participate? No, in the whoring. No, I, I get the sense that she that the den mother or whatever you would call her has become like a little stand-in mother for Tulip and that she's, she's there mainly for the, uh, for, for the head of that house. I forget her name. Um, but I think that, I think Tulip is more there for her than she is for the women in the house and for what they're doing in the house.
0: Um and is it during that scene that they have the Chinatown reference?
1: Yeah, outside. It's Like it's Chinatown Tulip.
0: Mhm. And that to me to me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> have you seen Chinatown, Rob? Nope. Okay. So that's like a a famous quote from that film. And it's kind of used to say, you know, a character's basically saying, you know, what does this all mean? How could, you know, what was all this tragedy and and uh, degradation mean? And the line is basically like, it's Chinatown. You know, that's what it means. It is what it is. But for me, I was like, is this just another, are they putting one cultural Easter egg in every single episode? Like Justin Bieber, mm-hmm. uh, Big Lebowski, now Chinatown. Like, is this like coded language we're supposed to just be picking? Is this like a drinking game? that they're setting up <laughs> like find the uh find the cultural easter egg
0: they're just trying to be relatable
1: speaking of um easter eggs or uh references Justin
2: is Brooks and Dunn a better country band than Johnny Cash uh, uh too long I, uh, I mean i have my opinions on that but is that a better reference sure. than, you know sure
0: i think it is just because that's probably more along the lines of what people in that town would be listening to
3: mm-hmm.
0: okay like my dad loved country music and he loved Johnny Cash, but you know who he listened to every night when he came home drunk? <laughs> Brooks and Dunn, <laughs> It was not Johnny Cash. He didn't put on Folsom Prison Blues. He put on, you know, uh, My Maria or whatever, whatever <laughs> other album they have. So that to me, it, it rang a little bit truer than. Let's get the cool, cool kids vote by referencing Johnny Cash.
1: Or he, Chinatown, right? Chinatown doesn't seem to fit too well.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I think, I think, I think that, I, again, I think with pop culture references, it just is, a lot of it's going to be personal preference, and I think if you're, I think if it seems too obvious, it's never going to work, right? Like the Chinatown thing... I didn't pick up on it. I've seen Chinatown; it was a long time ago, but I didn't really pick up on it. Um, but it kind of makes me think of Cowboy Bebop, right? Rob, have you seen Cowboy Bebop? Long time ago, and that show is essentially nothing but cultural references. But it for me it it works perfectly. I think part of the reason is because they're they're playing on the tropes. Of the cultural references, they're reference—they're not really references as much as they are kind of like um, building blocks, I guess.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so it does—I think it's all probably always going to be a little awkward when it just is like, you know, here's forty-five minutes of show, and here's a thirty-second cultural reference, kind of out <laughs> of nowhere. That was, you know, what I mean, it's like you were twenty-five minutes into a show with no cultural references or pop or pop culture references. And then here's Chinatown out of nowhere. And right. Here's the remaining 20 minutes of the episode that never makes any other reference like that right. again.
1: Can, can I make a... I'm going to make another uh, attempt at another point here. I'm going to um, go on a limb and say before the end of the season. Um, so by the last episode of the season, we will have a character of reference Twilight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, because Cassie's a vampire? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, before the end of this season? Before the end of this season,
1: you will hear a character reference Twilight. Hmm. That's my call.
0: It seems plausible. It seems plausible. I'd feel more comfortable if it was before the end of the series, though.
1: Uh, That's why I'm going for two points here. All right. That's a, that's a two-point guess. So, Ken Cannon
2: said something a few times, and maybe it's another pop culture reference that I missed. Did he say what? it easy as pie mm-hmm. or what was the right and right as rain it was something like that so he said it twice they're like he's like well how do those how do those holes get there and he said well that's easy as pie yeah or or and then he said it one other time did that does
0: that mean anything or is that just some weird thing that guy says and how did the damn holes get there well apparently they the sinkholes right and the impression I got is that they're sinkholes and they're being caused by what Ken Cannon is doing to the land because of his meat company. His, or was yeah. I reading into that too much?
1: No, no, no. I think that there's, he is definitely responsible for the sinkholes. Um, now, how that specifically ties into his meatpacking industry, mm-hmm. I don't know. I have a guess. I have a guess of why there are sinkholes. And it kind of relates back to the, um, to the comics. Mm-hmm. So, Rob, if you remember, Kin Cannon has a secret layer that he goes to. That he posts people outside of when he goes yeah. in inside. Yep. That in the comics, as I remember it, is not ex- explicitly underground. It just seemed like another, you know, offset of his building his main building I think that he has something going on underground that's making it unstable, but that's where he where he lets out his uh his fetish
2: I thought it had something to do with um i mean I definitely wanted to go that route instead of this route but I thought it had something to do with like destroying the land somehow because they they had those people that are coming in and are trying to like talk about sustainability and that kind of stuff yeah, where he's just there. like using it and abusing it yeah mm-hmm. um and, and he pisses in that in that guy's briefcase did you see how yellow that pee was
1: yeah that was not healthy <laughs> you know i like <laughs> okay here's here's what gives me hope in this show it's moments like kin cannon's speech we have the lady who like sets up the box hands in the microphone It starts feedback, you know, feedback. And she's like, just lets out the cord. He says it's two cents thing. And then they're like, they're out of there. And, uh, that is, that's some witty writing and some, it it has wit to it. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. And with, um, Kin Cannon, first he has to go over and take a sip of water. So he's a guy who like, can't just pee. He needs to like get a little. He needs to get the get the juices flowing. And then right before he starts peeing, he just he just goes, Don't look at me. Yeah, don't look at me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just like this idea that like in order for him he can't just stand up and pee. He's gotta go take a sip of water to get his body let his body know mm-hmm. this is happening. And then he has just to just let the guy know, like, don't look at me or this isn't happening. Right. Like that's just I, it's I small why, little touches like that. But it's just it's funny. It shows personality and wit and thought behind it. These people know what they're doing. I just wish it cohered on the bigger uh, moments.
2: That's why I liked this episode. It it was stuff like that. And the little touches like that, that I'm not getting what the story I wanted. I'm not getting, you know, what I originally wanted. I'm not getting what I secondarily wanted, but I am getting something and and I'm kind of bought in and I'm interested
0: and um, I'm afraid you guys are going to drop out. No, I would definitely say that I'm bought in. I, mm-hmm. I agree with everything you just said, actually. Mm-hmm. I just am ready for something to mm-hmm. ha- I'm ready for the story to move forward significantly. Yeah. I'm ready for some sort of development.
1: Yeah. Somebody put a flag in the ground. Yeah. Make a stand. Yeah. Do something. Um, yeah. I forgot what I was going to say, but go on, Justin.
0: So we've also got the angels to uh, think about they're still in the hotel room and they've got this contraption that apparently can rec- make and receive phone calls. They yep. can call heaven. Right. Which is, which is strange. Right. So that thing is some sort of device that they're using to communicate with whoever they're communicating to in heaven. Right. And the comics, I forget exactly how they communicate with them. Um It is
2: similar where they are not supposed to be out and about and they are, it's different. The debauchery goes a different way. Yeah. Um, and I thought they were going to go there and this guy, he asked for a cheeseburger, you know, but he asked the wrong guy. So I mean, they're way, way stupider in, in, in the show than they need to be. I mean, just give them a little bit of credit, right? Let them go into the diner. That'd be much, you know, that'd be funnier. um, but then they have this weird contraption where they can they can call heaven and and you you think it's ringing, you know, earlier in the episode, you know, but he picks up the other phone. Right. And it's, it's that phone. So you're like, you know, that's your false positive or whatever. But once it starts ringing for real, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out is is there a. Is there a pop culture correlation that I'm missing here where. Angels have strange telephones that they can call heaven with or is this something completely made up for this show like the the weird um coffee can and the um the nursery rhyme and stuff
1: yeah if you if you closely read leviticus in the old testament (laughs) there's one vague reference to i think it's I think scholars agree it's an iPhone 4s. No man, You're, don't that, be a jerk. Look, hold on a second. No, no Look, I'm not being a in, jerk. I'm just, I'm, po- I'm just. In playing. pop
2: culture, vampires can't go out in the sunlight. They can get killed with a stake in the heart. Um, in pop culture, angels can't taste food. Like, so they need. That's why he ate the tea bag. That wasn't the first time that, in that I have seen on screen or in some type of comic book form or some right. f- yeah. story that angels can't taste things, right? Yeah. So that was the hint that it was an angel. So I'm trying to figure out, is, is this is this stuff that they have, is this borrowed from somewhere or is this brand new?
1: Yeah, and I think it's interesting that, you know, he wants that burger because the, the, the television is making the burger look as kind Sexy. of decadent and tasty as, you know, it can and that's what he wants like he wants to taste something so you do get the sense that these angels are after some sort of experience that they can actually feel and connect to um so i like th- i like that but in terms of why why they're choosing a phone other than you know like you mentioned pop culture you know th- i can think of a handful of songs and stuff to talk about like Telephone to heaven and, you know, calling up to heaven and stuff like that, um, that, that you could extrapolate down to like being a, you know, a phone or just like in uh, comics, right? You got superheroes who have a special phone that they can be reached on. Um, that I think it's just it's just an easy way of of building a connection. Why they chose that, I have no idea. And why they're choosing a steampunk aesthetic to what these angels are working with.
3: Yeah. that That's I don't what know I'm trying either. to
2: figure out. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's so like, like,
3: like, uh, across
2: the board, strange. Yeah. What's the writing on there? Is that, um, is it a, is it another language?
1: Yeah, that, that, that's interesting because, you know, I think you, um, uh, you know, you do have this idea of like a a separate language in heaven, you know, the, the in Jewish tradition, you, know, you can't say the true name of God and stuff like that. So you do have this kind of coded speak or even in Pentecostal circles, you have this, uh, you know, speaking in tongues. Uh, do you know about that, Rob? Are you, do you know about like the Christian sub subgenres and cultures of Pentecostalism and stuff? I do not. So there's a belief that there's a heavenly language that people can access, and they call it tongues, speaking in tongues. So my best guess is that any symbols would be referencing this heavenly language that Pentecostals would believe is tongues, which is really just feeling very emotional in the moment and then speaking from your gut rather than your head.
2: The angels come down, they wear whatever is in the, the the current, I I don't know, they're dressed up like cowboys because they're in Texas. Right. Right.
1: It's like approximations of the area.
2: Exactly. But they have this old can that apparently Genesis likes to live in, you know, and, and he has, it has a favorite song, you know, they specifically said that tiddly winks, whatever song Wink and I can ever and nod. Yes. That is his favorite song. And that, but yet they have chainsaws and then they have this weird phone thing. And I just, I just don't get it. I'm just trying to figure out,
0: you know, what the point is with all that. Well, apparently they said that they're tr- they're told Cassidy that they're just trying to get the thing out of Jesse. Yes. So maybe the chainsaw is, as crude of a representation to that procedure as their outfits are to adapt yeah. it to the culture.
1: They, they, they're not thinking dynamically about killing Jesse and cutting him up. They're thinking something's in there. We need to get it out. And so they're they're like, well, we'll just cut him open. But I don't think that that represents how Genesis works. It more represents their idea of it, which they clearly don't have a good idea of, of how things work on Earth.
3: Yeah because I don't That's think right. I
1: don't think Genesis would be revealed if you cut Jesse open.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I. Uh,
0: the final note we have is about the sermon at the end of the the so the show closes with Jesse giving his uh, after he's enticed everyone in anvil to come to church to win TV. a 4k 47 inch tv he gives a uh, sermon and he conv- he uses the word to uh convince uh Ken cannon to serve god but rob well, you, you more noticed- than that
2: he um he says if you don't leave you know a believer you can have my father's land oh that's and right so that's, that's that's what right. got odin there that's which is right. the church and everything you know so the stakes are Sorry, sorry to steal that from you, Keith. The stakes stakes are pretty high at that Not point. Not when he has the word. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the? i sorry, I cut you off, Justin. Did you get the impression that he couldn't get it to work
3: when he was like, when he was kind of like, oh, that he couldn't get the to word it? to work? Yeah. Uh... Is that just me?
0: I don't think I ever I don't think I ever thought that he was failing to get it to work. But I think but what I was thinking was. Like, why isn't he just doing why is he like stringing this along for for so long? You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I think could be interpreted as the same thing, more or less. Like,
2: Will you do this? Will you do that? He he sent this old, you know, sinner's speech, you know, that typical stuff you I remember as a kid going yeah. to church and stuff and he's like you know will you serve God? And and Odin's like, you know, nope. <laughs> and and it's like it's like will you, will you, will you? And then I was like, well just do it. And then he yeah. says, you know. And that's when he says, Serve God.
0: Yeah. Uh but you had an interesting observation about this the that whole church scene. And that was that Eugene AKA arse was not at the church. And you felt that that was significant. I think it's important.
2: I, I can't figure out why is he, is it because he's with the girl, you know, to give me my points. Is it because (laughs) he's, because he's the one, let's just say like true believer out of the people we know. Right. And, and he wasn't there first so that, he won't get messed like mixed up in whatever's gonna happen next week,
3: mm-hmm.
2: or did I just overlook him? So I, I specifically was looking for him. He wasn't sitting
0: next to Root. Yeah, he wasn't te- there, and they made it a point to show his dad that being there. Mm-hmm. So
2: yeah. it. definitely so I texted does. you
0: guys, try and find him. Yeah, yeah. and he wasn't there.
2: Yeah. So,
3: Keith, what do you think?
1: Yeah, you. I think you're. I think you're spot on. Um, the other thing is, did you? Uh, catch that monster swamp was a line from last week was it yeah from root he was talking to Eugene. oh yeah he was like you don't want to be uh you don't want to go over there and um said it's a monster swamp Mm -hmm. so it seems to be like a reference to like uh it's just a bad a bad situation Mm -hmm. you know and so I, this whole episode, I was trying to wonder what, what why, why name this Monster Swamp, if you, if Roots using it as like, just a bad situation, you know? Yeah, they if should have
3: just the call it Chinatown. Yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. That's true. That's true. I didn't put that together. Yeah. Um. So I think I think that you're you're absolutely right that, I I think that they're they're tying this together, to be something that's propelling you that Eugene is going to be a big propeller of the story moving forward. Hopefully next, next week.
0: Maybe he's just a cord cutter. He's not interested in the TV. He didn't
3: show up.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's anti-technology. Yeah. Um, I, so here's, here's one random observation I wanted to throw your, your guys' way and see what you, what you took from it. There's the scene where the mayor goes over to uh, watch whatever her name is, who helps with the church, watch her kids. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene, you know, she's like, I'm not going to be with you. And then she's like, you know, be out by morning. Right. And you see him get up and take their cups, go to the sink, wash the cups, put the cups away. They do a, they they do multiple ta- you know multiple shots mm-hmm. of him walking to the sink cleaning the cups and then walking back to the bedroom kind of straightening his tie and then they cut and i'm like why are they why would you waste 15 seconds on this why would you feel the need to show him cleaning up before going into her bedroom did that stand out Cuz they to you wanted at all? to show how
0: much of a bitch he is. Right? You yeah, said they it? were like this guy's a turd.
1: Is it, is that what you took Rob? you
0: think the guy's a turd? Yeah, I think they were trying to show him being emasculated. Right? That's the impression I got. It was like he's just going out He's after kind of her. desperate, right? Yeah, and he's just
2: I don't know. I think I think he digs her. He yeah. you know, he he see whether he's pretending he has a connection with the children or not, he he's, there's an attempt there. Um, he got her some wine. He told her about his day. He seemed to be a, a gentleman. And then, you know, of course there's ulterior motives. And if she's gonna, she's going to put it out and he's going to, he's going to pick it up. I don't know that that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I
2: don't they, know. how to do anything different.
1: Yeah. And, and that's, and, and that's all there in the scene. But then why show him cleaning up the cups afterwards? Like, to me, that's quintessential of, of my complaint of the show, where either they spent those 15, just those 15 seconds of him cleaning up, straightening up. They're like, hey, we need we need these shots of you putting away those cups and then walking back after her instead of just like seeing her go back and cut or him just standing up and following her. That's either there for no reason they're to stretch out the scene because they're like, hey, we need to make it to 45 minutes. So here's 15 more seconds we can put in. Um, so either has no meaning or has some meaning in terms of like setting up the relationship and deepening it, which, you know, you can debate whether it does anything valuable or not. But like that to me, the second time through, it really, it like stood out as a thing that bothers me. I will say just today it was commented to me at work that, the weirdest things bother me. A coworker was, I said something bothered me that I saw in there. Like the, the absolute weirdest things bother you. Mm-hmm. And so this is probably one of those, but in my mind, it just stands as a testament to like, why are you putting in some of these quote unquote character building scenes when really all I need to know is the action, right? He follows so- her back to the bedroom. Got it. Done. Next, next, let's go. It's, so it,
3: Keith hates
1: watching people
0: do the dishes.
1: Yeah. Got it. I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need it. My I think,
0: turn. I think what it shows is that he wants more.
3: I know he, he wants, wants
1: more
0: out of the relationship. They, they already no. established
1: it in terms of like he cleaned up. She's like, you didn't have to straighten up. He's like, I wanted to. She tries to pay him. He's like, no, watching your kids is payment enough. Like it's all been established. So then him washing the extra two cups, is just like. Totally super it's a third arm.
2: Do you know where, want to know somewhere weird I went during the episode?
3: Yeah.
0: I was trying to figure out why specifically he was playing Q
3: Oh, that stood oh, out to me too. I just
0: assumed that was a callback to the comic. That's no. not in the comic.
3: No. But but you so know what,
1: I'm, Rob? It did fit for me. I was like, he he is a man who would play Qbert <laughs> and understand that game and, and enjoy it.
2: I was trying, he's so like calm in the, in what we see, you know, we don't see him get upset. So I was trying to figure out, okay, is he trying to play? Cause you know, Cubert cusses. That's his, that's his shtick when he falls off, you know, the cuss words come up, the little cuss word scribbles or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to like put it together. Is, is that what that meant? Did it mean something? <laughs> um, so you're focused on dishes. I'm focused on Qbert and we're just, you know, we're just
0: focused on different stuff.
1: Thank you, Rob. That actually makes me feel a lot better. Thank you.
0: Um, all right, before we end the show, did you want to um, talk about how that woman doesn't wash her hands after she poops?
3: Boy, do I.
1: <laughs> and, Rob, but- you noticed that, too. That was not just me. <laughs> it did. It gave me a strange feeling both times
2: I saw it. We know where she is. She walks out. She's kind of just like messing with her hands and she's like going about her business.
1: Yeah. She's doing up her belt. Like, so, yeah, there was no washing. (laughs) Yeah. So first you have, you have the line of the episode. You have her son just answer the door and go, she's pooping. Mm -hmm. And then Jesse takes one step in, you hear a flush and immediately she's out the door fixing her belt. And Mm -hmm. I was like. I did not hear a sink noise in between the flush and yeah, her so messing weird. with her belt. Mm-hmm. And I have serious problems with that. <laughs> and I want to know, what, where are they building to? Is this the big revelation that she's she uh, has a fecal fetish?
0: <laughs> Potentially.
2: I, think uh, I don't know.
1: A dirty hand fetish?
0: All That's right. all I wanted to say. All right. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, Justin almost felt, I think Justin has <laughs> been nodding off during this episode. I'm a sleepy guy. I will get tired easily. <laughs> well, now basketball's over, so you have plenty of time to pay attention to pretty That's preaching. true. I don't have to stay up late watching the basketball games anymore. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Everything is Television. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Uh, check out our show notes in the podcast app that you're listening to this on, or go to the website eipodcast.com for links to everything we've talked about, links to our Twitter profiles, to the show's Twitter profile. You can find the show on Twitter at eipodcasts. You can follow me, Justin Blizzard, on Twitter. I'm at blizzard with nine Zs.
1: I'm at things come right. I'm at
0: shiny underscore Rob. Uh, We would love to hear from you, and uh, if nobody has anything else to say, (laughs) we will see you. Hi, (laughs) Kate. There you go. Send us another message. We'll see you next week, or we'll talk to you next week.